celebrating this week the newfound freedom of one of our panel members. Welcome back to Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. Uh, I'll be your host as usual, and we're joined here by Australian Dan, uh, by English Dan. Good evening. Who, after this recording, is is going off for one of the biggest matches uh, in the 21st century for your club. Probably just football history. I think. Yeah, general football history. Sports history. And uh, he's been struggling with his front door lock for the last seven days, but Joel Richards is here with us today. Welcome, Joel. Thank you very much, especially for 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 this afternoon's pod. I made it out. He's looking very slender. I don't think he's eaten in about a week. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a free Joel Richards hashtag we got going. Yeah. Uh, worldwide, it probably helped. Um, it, was, it was great of you guys. <laughs> the gesture, yeah, I appreciate it. We really did try. Yeah. Uh, one thing which I mentioned towards the end of last uh, week's... Uh, now I must remember this. Recording, but I think about halfway through the actual podcast because of the, the order that it was recorded in. It's very confusing. Uh, I mentioned that Hand of Pop is going to be undergoing some changes uh, this, mm. this season. The, the first of which, uh, before the episode even managed to get online, Australian Dan had already spoiled the surprise. So we're now going to say, I feel like a Blue Peter presenter breaking it to, to, to people here. Uh, but he is uh, moving. Sadly, he's leaving Buenos Aires and moving back to Australia. Uh-huh. Aussie Dan. Yeah. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yes, yeah, so you're going to be here for another few weeks. But yeah, uh, it should be another five or four or five end of pods at least. Um, Is that how you count me down the day? Yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how I get count my time basically. <laughs> um, no, I'll still be covering Argentinian football and everything. Uh, the website will still be going. Uh, my various freelance stuff, but yeah, obviously I won't be able to get in for end of pod recordings. Might occasionally try and do a Skype hookup or something, but that hasn't really worked in the past. We shall try and work out a, a more foolproof way of, of getting you on a couple of times. Perhaps yeah. like a hand apart Australian edition where we all sit on Bondi Beach and, uh, and record there. <laughs> if you can get us out um, to Australia, Australia or sponsor, uh, yeah, Brennan Branco will sponsor the, the trip over for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Every we'll week, work. every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be good. That yeah. sounds superb to me, yeah. Um, as we say, we've, we've got a few weeks more uh, whilst Dan's here, and then myself and I guess English Dan will be attempting to, to fly the flag with, with I, I guess, a rotating cast of third people. John will be trying to get you in as often as you possibly can. As often as uh, the front door allows. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, but of course, we've also got uh, Mariano, who, who hopefully will be able to ret- uh, come in next week, um, our San Lorenzo fan, and possibly even Seve, you never know if he's a bit less busy. Uh, we'll have to find out when he gets back from, from London. Well, from wherever he is now, Newcastle, Cardiff, somewhere. He was in Cardiff, yeah. He was in Cardiff, I think. He, he was, was in Newcastle, Newcastle at the weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, where were Brazil playing this week? Manchester, they were playing Manchester. today. So maybe he's in Manchester. Mm, could be. Anyway, once Seve gets back from wherever the hell he is, I think he said he was getting back in the 13th, which is in a week's time. But we're now boring our listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of just chit-chat. We could have talked about this before. <laughs> and it's, and it's really been incredibly... From last week's meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an incredibly uh, exciting beginning to, to the Primera season, hasn't it, guys? Uh, Arsenal de Sarandí began their title defence with a 1-0 win over Union uh, mm-hmm. with a simply brilliant finish. Um, 
if you view brilliance as hilarious goalkeeping mistakes, that is, um, albeit in completely understandable I certainly do. conditions. Uh, I, I keep forgetting this guy's first name. It's Oscar, isn't it? Oscar Limia, the Union goalkeeper, uh, dropped the ball over the line after a header from God. I, I remember <laughs> crediting him with the goal on Twitter as well, but I can't remember his name now. There's somebody on Aston Alves. Yeah, I mean, kind of no, something else just came to me. I'll say this for when we talk about the Argentine national team, because okay. we were just talking before coming uh, on air about who was going to be the the domestic oh, right. for Sabella in the next uh, squad, the friend against yeah. Germany, and the fifth name of the group has just come to me, so yeah. we can. We can hold that until... Of course, yeah, because yeah. Alejandro Savella was, was watching that match, I think. Yes, um, that's a nice little clip. Limia sort of redeemed himself afterwards by, by saving the penalty, uh, which Arsenal rewarded not very long afterwards, actually, maybe 10 or 15 minutes after. Um, and one of the other noteworthy results of, of the weekend, guys, we've got Boca Juniors got absolutely smashed by Quilmes yes. uh, on Quilmes' return to the Primera. What was a brilliant, brilliant performance from Quilmes. I know it was ten men for the vast majority of the match. Santiago yeah. Silva was sent off quite early on for kicking somebody in the chest, I, yeah. I heard. I didn't see fairly, it. Was fairly gratuitously, yeah. But, um, they both could have been red cards, to be honest. Well, obviously one was, but uh, the, the hack uh, in the first place... Yeah. Was orange. Yeah. So he, he got hacked down, and then as he was falling, he kind of roundhouse kicked the guy from a horizontal <laughs> position, which yeah was absolutely a red as well. But, uh, you I, could have, yeah. I need to look this up on YouTube because I've uh, never seen it. I, um, I had to go out to do some shopping yeah. just as the match began, so I got back in about 20 minutes in and found all boys. Uh, found Kilimes one nil up and playing against ten men. Um, and very brilliant. Yeah. I mean, obviously Falcione has, has caught a lot of flack for this, but uh, I mean, a bit a bit harsh on him because he's lost. I mean, he's, he's trying to set up the team. Without Raquel May, yeah. and it's it's going to be tough. Uh, and then suddenly, yes, yeah. his, his striker gets. But then you say up. it's harsh. You know, he's. I think he's made a huge mistake, done really badly, and like he let the whole winter period be dominated by this Raquel May news. And is he staying? Is he going? Where's he going? You know, coming into the to press conferences saying, "No, we're still expecting him for training." And I think in that way, you know, so much focus on that, and I don't think he realised that apart from Raquel May, players that are possibly even more important to Boca. I'm talking about people like Rocagna, Inserraldi, Mauche, even though we've you know, mm. taken a fair share of shots, he was very good in the first half of 2012. Mm. So all of these have gone. and mm. Yeah, they lost half the team. Yeah. Um, and, but I don't know but the most worrying thing is there's been no replacements. You know, yeah. who, uh, well, Bordiso, when that Bordiso, happened, goes yeah. through Guillermo was Bordiso from Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, they were from the bench, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's Falcioni focusing on Raquel May or just the media constantly asking about it. So I don't know if you can totally blame him for that. One thing that was, I think, almost definitely an impact on on Saturday's match, which we perhaps didn't mention last week because it was still in the process of happening, was Boca Juniors and indeed all boys uh, returned from their pre-season tour of Venezuela, yeah. which, which made Homer's odyssey uh, look very much like a walk in the park um, mm. at the end of it. It was utterly hilarious for, for anybody not involved. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, brilliant. Fantastic to, to follow. They, they were both on a, playing in a, a quadrangular um, friendly tournament in Venezuela which Boca ended up beating all boys on in the final of on penalties. Yeah. I think we did mention that last week. After beating another Venezuelan team on penalties. <laughs> yeah. It was a great tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can download it and watch it online. True Boca classic. Um, Real football porn there. And they then found that the, for, for some reason, I, I don't know what, because the final went into extra time or for whatever reason, that, that both teams were booked onto the same charter flight. 
back from um, from Venezuela and missed it at the airport and then discovered that they couldn't afford anything else so they had to wait for that same charter plane to be kitted up again and, and would travel a couple of days later uh, at which point they were told that they were going to have to to stop off for a servicing again in, in Bolivia and then when they finally were due to get into Buenos Aires two or three days late um, there was an awful lot of fog that night. This was on Thursday last week or Wednesday last week? Wednesday, I believe. Yeah. Wednesday last week. It was exactly. very, very, very foggy um, in, in central Buenos Aires and apparently in Ezeiza as well, which is the, the international airport, which is nowhere near central Buenos Aires, but still. Um, and they were told there was too much fog to land, so they were diverted to Cordoba, which the amusing thing about this was that I, I read a sort of Reuters report of this that was published in The Independent on, on I think, Friday um, on The Independent website. And... <laughs> And that, that just said that they had, they were diverted to a different airport <laughs> because yeah. it was too foggy to land there. They didn't mention that that airport is about seven hundred kilometres yeah. away. Yeah. Um, you know, halfway across the country. Um, at which point, all boys then did the sensible thing because they were, of course, playing in in Mendoza on yeah. Saturday. So they went from Cordoba straight to Mendoza. They only got back to Buenos Aires <laughs> yesterday, uh, Monday. And Boca, of course, had to get back to Buenos Aires and then prepare to face the Quilmes side, who were really up for it. So I think that definitely had some kind of an impact as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and that, that story was dominating the, the, the uh, headlines. Um, of it. I was and to also Rolando Schiavi on, on Twitter. I'll let somebody else, you're probably all fed up for listening to my voice now, so I'll let somebody else fill in one. Well, yeah, I was doing my best to ignore the story because I yeah, didn't really flying fuck about it. But, it. you know, it was, it was front page. Like, the same day that AFA completely changed the tournament format, which we also need to talk about, I think. Completely, like, yeah. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> change the tournament floor. Right? The, the front page you know, front page of Ole was about uh, the Boca players singing songs around the pool in, in I think that was still in Venezuela at that stage. And yeah, we had uh, Skiawi complaining on Twitter about the f- saying they were eating food for rats or something. And, and the tweet which then got deleted in the podcast. Yeah, and conditions were horrible. And then when, as they were leaving... They decided to have an asado, a barbecue, and they chairs from the hotel or wherever they were staying, and, and burnt them to make the to make the barbecue. And this this wasn't a vindictive thing, but this was because they claimed not to be able to find any firewood. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds pretty vindictive to me. Yeah, they, they obviously didn't like the conditions of where they were staying, and so they ended up burning the chairs to make a to cook their hamburgers and, yeah. and so forth. Um, sort of like the opposite of a hunger strike. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah so that's what we've heard about yeah. all week basically they're pretty badly prepared but I think Kilmer's played fantastically as well yeah. especially um, yeah Cauterucho who, who netted like I think he was linked with a couple of kind of it was say, higher profile teams in the winter and you kind of saw why you know uh, well, he was he was too perfect for Kilmes even in their relegation season yeah. a couple of years ago, um, as well as Canil, who was who also stood out. He was I thought he was fantastic in what was it, 2010-11 yeah. when Kilmes went down, and he was very good last year as well in in the B, and he looks like he's he's carrying on. Yeah, and I would add just that um, the Kilmes coach Omar the Felipe, it's his second promotion. He did the same with Olimpo. He always has very organised teams, but as well as that. He was Falcione's number two for a number of years. Yeah. At Banfield, he was the assistant coach to Falcione, so he knows Falcione's teams very well. I don't think he plays quite as defensively as conservatively. No, I think in Olimpo, he always tried to play quite a sort of yeah, exactly, like a 10 exactly. with Broly. And, uh-huh. yeah. and, I think and he has Caneo as well, he yeah, has given him a lot, of, a lot of freedom. So, uh, so I wonder whether that had influences, you know, the fact that Di Felipe knows Falcione so well. Yeah, um, knows how he's going to turn out. Exactly. Yeah. And I think. Was it us in a previous Santa Pod we dubbed Di Felipe one of the nicest guys in Argentine football? So we're pretty happy for his success, I think. For sure. 
for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Even uh, if it has to come against Flocker, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obviously a, a dark cloud um, for all of us. <laughs> Uh, we never like to see Boca lose on this podcast, yeah. as regular listeners will be aware. Um, having mentioned Kielmes, we should now, of course, also mention the other uh, Primera new boys, um, River Plate, who played what we built last week as the, the grudge match to end all grudge matches against Belgrano um, on Sunday, and lost again 2-1, uh, meaning that they, they haven't beaten Belgrano any of the times they've played them in the last decade now. Uh, Rogelio Funes Mori had a, a penalty saved with about th- no sorry not saved he blazed it over the crossbar yeah. with about uh, three minutes to go of, of the 90 and then had a goal disallowed in extra time for offside which was give us the play by play just the about penalty. it wasn't just a penalty yeah. what happened? Was, well exactly the, the, the reason I jumped straight to the penalty rather than talking <laughs> about the rest of the game is, is that um, it, it was um, it was quite an incident were you at the stadium Jola? I was I went to yeah. the game and um, yeah no one really quite Knew, I mean, the whole way through, Belgrano had been playing the getting the centre back to take the free the, the goal kicks to already kill a bit of time. I think two of the centre backs were booked for time wasting and, and clowning about. Yeah. So everyone really thought that the uh, Olave, the keeper, was was messing about and this was a more time wasting tactics. But then he was he was he's not cold. Yeah, yeah, so, well, this is what no one really realised, and and so uh, there was a lot of abuse at first, and then there was just a sort of hush as he yeah, realised he, he was he got crunched yeah. going for a ball, mm. and it was that was the penalty. Yeah. Uh, and yet he was on the ground unconscious. He wasn't moving. He tried was, to stand. Um, up and he was all over the shop like you know, yeah. a boxer tries to stand yeah. up and then like, Jenny it, was, it was quite amusing looking on Twitter you could tell who were who were the anti-river journalists and who were the, the pro um, I mean to me it was the, putting aside the fact I'm a river fan it was a clear penalty he ran straight into the back and was nowhere near the ball right um, he, what, what happened was that Juan Carlos Olavi the Belgrano goalkeeper the one who we mentioned uh, a couple of months ago who, who wears this singer's his cousin's uh, Russ, uh, yeah. face on his on his uh, goalkeeping jersey um, ran full pelt into the back of Nicolas Aguirre uh, under, underneath the high ball by the time he got to Aguirre the ball had already gone past both of them he was nowhere near any, nowhere near him um, the, the heads collided uh, Olave's sort of face forehead went into the back of Aguirre's head and Olave was out cold but the referee pointed at the spot straight away which in my opinion was the correct decision um, there was a lot of fuss on Twitter and elsewhere about this another example of officials always favouring River and trying to get River the draw but if so then why did they disallow Funes Mori's very marginal <laughs> offside goal in stoppage time um, <laughs> I'm going to back you up on this one though because there is when when River Plate were in the relegation season everyone was saying any f- uh, pro-River decision yeah. everyone said oh River being saved and, and then and then and when they were down in the second division, everyone said, "Oh, River being helped up." They only they only went up in the very last match of the season. So this whole there is a massive conspiracy that's constant about, and it's about Boca as well. Exactly the same thing happens. Right. Um, so uh, I'm going to back Sam up on that. Yeah, that's right. There's also a conspiracy that they that they wanted them down. And yeah, exactly. Thanks, exactly. God. It's every time a call get, like that gets made, it's treated as if it's the biggest controversy in the world. And sometimes it's very controversial. But I didn't think that that Sunday was. And anyway, a particularly was, surprising penalty. He was the yellow card for that as well. He was, he was yellow yeah. carded for that foul. There was an enormous complaint. I think a couple of Belgrano defenders might even, or, or Belgrano players, might have got yellow carded at the same time because they were surrounding the referee. Yeah, they were. And when the penalty was eventually taken, Funes Mori blazed it over the bar, and Olave immediately turned around and started screaming at the linesman, um, who was the, the one who told the referee to award the penalty. One presumes it was all very confusing. At which point, the, the referee ran up straight over and <laughs> gave a straight red card. Poor guy. 
of course the commentators on the television then start going oh he's been that's a second booking for coming off his line it's going to be, the penalty is going to be retaken and they continued this pretense that the penalty was going to be retaken even as the defenders were putting it down on the six yard box mm. you know three minutes later after Olave finally been got off the pitch to take the goal kick they were still going so now the penalty is to be retaken <laughs> oh no bizarre situation all round uh, <laughs> but, but didn't Trezor didn't get picked Pick up the the the, the ball, and while uh, Olave was yeah, well, protesting about yeah. being sent off, because the other thing was that both Olave was off his line, and there were a couple of, mm. of uh, Belgrano defenders inside the the penalty box at the point of impact. I think a lot of people assumed that it was going to be a retake, yeah, which probably, yeah, it should have been retaken. Yeah, yeah, technically. Yeah. I mean, if if you're going to go by those rules, then every penalty should be retaken. Well, yeah, this is quite yeah. severe. This was he was a meter off his line, and there were like two two players intruding in the box. So, um, but yeah. the other controversial point at least for River Plate fans of, of that match uh, was Belgrano's uh, not even, well okay Belgrano's first goal in a way but m- more to the point why it happened which was that uh, goalkeeper Daniel Vega from across managed to spill the ball straight onto a Belgrano player's foot in the middle of the box to give him a tap in to make it 1-0 about a minute before half time um, this is after River had completely dominated the first half uh, they'd hit the woodwork once they went on to hit the woodwork again in the second half um, if I'm remembering that rightly they might have hit, a, hit it twice during the first half um, and Vega the fact that Vega was playing in goal is, is one of the things that we have to tackle here because it will not have escaped hand of pod listeners notice especially those who follow us on Twitter as well that during the winter transfer window uh, River signed arguably one of the best goalkeepers in South America I don't think it's any arguably like, definitely one of the best in Argentina yeah, yeah. Um, and he was on the bench for no apparent reason um, they, they've been talking all week about will Vega play will, will Barovero play which of the two is going to happen and to me the, the fact that the conversation was even taking place was ridiculous yeah. the fact that Vega actually ended up starting um, it was a complete joke mm. I, 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 I don't think that Vega is as bad as, as a, lot, a lot of River fans think he's you know the no, worst goalkeeper in a hundred. Can you come up with any explanation why this would happen? The only thing I could think of did he Almeida's finish? a complete idiot. <laughs> the, the, the same reason that Almeida sends Lucas Orban back to Tigre when he when Lucas Orban came back from loan and then starts playing uh, Vela at left back and complaining that he doesn't have a left back after just sending a very good left back back to the club that he's been at lo- on loan at for the last year. Did Vega finish the last season as the first choice of yeah, Chichisola. Chichisola. well Chichisola had a bit of an injury but Vega finished but the only reason I could think of is that he, he, he says well the incumbent has a right to, to hold his position which that was exactly what he said yeah oh, I mean, right. uh, as he put it He's Vega knocked us back up but if so what's the, why are you going to buy Barovero what's mm-hmm. the you, know, you, you don't buy Marcelo Barovero to put him on the bench yeah, no, by, sure by the same time that Chichisola started last season as first choice very much first choice yeah. and, and kept that for, for I think two, three or four months mm. before getting injured and then never winning his place back uh, that's exactly the same thing happening I think you're right and actually what you said there about the left back is very important in the goal as well because it's, it's three mistakes mm. it's Gonzalez Pires the centre back who, uh, who doesn't win the header and that puts the ball in, in the area where Vela at left back ought to have contained it and dealt yeah. with it he doesn't the cross comes in and as you said the uh, then Vega didn't really deal with the cross very well so the thing is there were three mistakes there um, I wouldn't argue at all against Gonzalez Pires being in the side because I think he's been promising young centre back. But he said Villa um, is an extremely un- unpopular choice, and uh, I said the you know the and this is part of the problem. You know, Vega being in, in goal, Villa at left back, 
um, it's the atmosphere at River Plate at the moment is incredibly tense, yeah. and and it's not going. If they don't start winning immediately, yeah. um, basically something essentially you know. Well, I mean, make a, we said the same. Yeah. We said the same thing every single year for hmm. when we talk about newly promoted teams. It's absolutely imperative <laughs> for, to start the season well and get those. Yeah. Was it kind of twenty five points? They always say you need. Uh, yeah. You know, 25 points yeah. in the first season, 25 to make 50 and be safe, you know. So obviously, River needs to start finding points. And yeah, every every defeat, this is going to be possibly even more tense than the year in which they went down from a River River point of view. Like, there's no, it's all in their own hands. They need to win games. Yeah, there's absolutely. no about it. I would just throw out there, um, just a minute ago, the German, one of the journalists who covers River Plate is saying that there's an offer for Lucas Ocampos, 12 million euros. Six, which would be for River. River have to sell, <laughs> and it's between Ocampos, Sidigliano, the midfielder, and the Funes Mori twins, both of them, as the four players mm-hmm. that may be sold. Um, if Ocampos goes, it's I'd say it's a bit of a problem, really, for yeah. for River because of the the options that he gives them. Yeah, he started this game on the right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he can also play on the left. He can play, play second striker. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, of of the four that are potential. Um, for you know, good potential to sell and make money for River Plate, he Campos is probably the one that least likely to uh, or want to sell. Yeah, um, I think what I heard about a month ago was that they wanted they were going to uh, try and get rid of Sidigliano and hang mm-hmm. on to Campos mm-hmm. for another season. Yeah, exactly. I, I really, obviously, I um, as long-term listeners are aware, I, I'm a Manchester United fan in England, and they're one of the clubs who's been linked with with Sidigliano. <laughs> um, and I've been uh, a few of my, my mates from back home have been asking me about him, and I've been telling them I really wish I'd, I'd love United to sign him, but I really wish that they could afford to sign him now and then loan him back to River for mm. a season because River, I think, needs to be. Isn't that like in Championship Manager where you like you manage two clubs and <laughs> yeah. the Rangers so they do all that? You help each other. These, these, these deals do happen sometimes. And, and <laughs> Between your two favourite clubs, yeah. Yeah. I've never managed two clubs in Championship Manager. But no, the, the the reason being that United need central midfielders now, but they need mm. central midfielders this season. But River also, in my opinion, really needs Sirigliano. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know that they have another sort of deep lying player who links links things together in quite the way that he does, and he's superb. Um, so I think that he's arguably as as important a player to keep as Ocampos. Um, I was going to say to you guys actually, you know, speaking of. Young River players, you know, the guy who scored the only River goal in in the two one was Manuel Lanzini, who spent the last season on loan to Fluminense. Yeah, you, you happy to have him back? Oh yeah, he was excellent as well. I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a player that I absolutely, I thought he was fantastic. The first season he played, which was the relegation season, you know, I thought. You know, limitless, lim- limitless potential. Yeah, as, as we mentioned last week, he's been given the number ten shirt for this yeah. uh, this season. Which but is he much? Of, is be. he uh, out and out number ten? Because I would saw him more as a winger, like one of these kind I of think wider, he, I think wider he, players. He, when Lamella was the one that was preventing him from playing that number ten role before, right. uh, I think he likes playing the number ten. Yeah, he, he could be a second yeah. striker. Or yeah, because he's also very, you know, he's much more mobile than what we call a traditional number ten. You know, yeah. I, I remember a couple of years ago, at the start of the the season that River ended up getting relegated. Um, we went to see a group of us, you and me, Rupert Fryer and Jonathan Wilson, um, and I can't remember whether either of you were there or not. Um, went to see River against Independiente. Um, at home, I think that must have been the second or third round of the the Apertura, and I've seen he set up two of the goals if I remember rightly, and provided the sort of the penultimate pass for for one of the others. River won four, two, 
what was it, three, two, possibly. I just remember the film um, was more a shinning one film. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, it went, it went in, it went in. So that, that was one of the ones Lanzini yeah. set up, and also Nestor Silvera scored a very That's good right. finish from, from a long ball over the top for Independiente's yeah. equaliser just before half time. So those were the days when Funes Mori was still worth uh, 12 million euros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was so Lanzini was playing well for River then. I think he's, he's obviously improved it. the experience of playing him in Brazil, as yeah. he says himself, has, has improved him. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it and he's still only 19. He's a kid. He had a really interesting interview with uh, Ole. Well, the, the interview itself wasn't wasn't that interesting, but he said, <laughs> he said he said but he said one thing which was really interesting, which is a shame they didn't pick up on it more. Which is that he said that he uh, he asked to leave. He, yeah. he, he said that he just he wasn't in um, terms of his, um, his his morale and, and the way that he was playing after the relegation. He said it really hit him very hard, and he he, he said this to Almeida and he spoke to Passarella and he said um, he, he asked to leave. Um, Fluminense wanted to sign him, but River were insisting yeah. on 12 million euros. That was in the clause for the loan. Right. So, um, uh, but I think he needs. Fluminense wanted to. They wanted to keep him. Yeah, they wanted to keep him after the years loan. Yeah, sorry, they wanted to, to keep well, yeah, um, bring him to the club on a permanent permanent deal. But River obviously rate him very highly, and I, and I think a lot of um, a lot of European clubs have kind of been following his, his progression. He's, I think he's yeah. an excellent player, and, and he and as you said, quite rightly, he was excellent. Yeah, and this should be a season where he really yeah. becomes yeah. A, a big star. Yeah. Um, we have had other matches taking place this weekend other than uh, Bockers and Rivers' losses and Arsenal's um, uh, successful start to their defence of their title. One of the, I think, most surprising considering what we were expecting from from this team this season was Vélez's complete dismantling of what was admittedly quite a poor Argentinos side. Um, they won 3-0 with two goals from Sebastián Domínguez, the centre-back, mm-hmm. from both from corners, weren't they? Or one from a free kick? I think they were both from corners. And one from... Luke Lucas Prato? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm good at remembering things this week. <laughs> uh, well, for that game at least. Yeah. Um, Argentinos were dreadful. But, yeah. But Vélez, much better than I think we, we expected, considering they lost six or seven yeah. players during the winter. Yeah. But that's the brilliance of Vélez. They just always bring through yeah. players who yeah. throw little experience, that's, but who are just prepared yeah. and ready that's, for um, first-team football. Yeah, I think it was Dominguez himself actually uh, said after the game the, mm-hmm. the names are not as important as yeah. the style of play yeah. Yeah. at this club. Exactly. And um, they, they just managed yeah. to, there's some brilliant coherence there for their. Just the continuity the they yeah. have, you know. But I was yeah. particularly impressed because we, during the Clausura, particularly during their Libertadores run, they were playing relatively, especially for Bibelis' standards, very kind of pragmatically. Um, epitomising the semi final when they, when they almost uh, put Santos out there, very, very, very close compared with what everybody expected that side to be. Um, well, yeah, went to penalties. Sorry, in the quarter final, not the semi final. Um, and yeah, they, they took them to penalties in spite of being 10 men down for a lot of the second leg. Um, so they, they were playing a much more defensive game than they used to, and it seems like, well, at least on, on Saturday, yeah. Friday, Friday night, um, they, they seem to be kind of returning to their, their roots. Francisco Serra was very good at the, the base of midfield. We always always seem to go on about number fives being impressive <laughs> here I don't know why um, Cero was true. brilliant against Santos as well he's, yeah. he's yeah. a good player um, and also Gino Perutzi now is um, who, who, who played played the whole game on, on Friday yeah. he was the, the right back who had Neymar in his pocket yeah he was probably the player you know, from what I've seen he's probably the player who's most successfully con- mm. controlled Neymar mm. you know and we're talking about international teams club teams whatever you know no one's had Neymar so much under his thumb than, than Perutzi did it was Brilliant. 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that game, but um, I guess with Bellas, time will tell whether, yeah. because there's issues of depth as well. Like, I just yeah. still feel you can't leave that many players. And yeah. But it's interesting as well because we didn't see much of Prato last year because he was only uh, habilitated for the. Facilitated means available. <laughs> I'm sure it's an English word. So. English dance thinking in Spanish. Yeah. Is it not an English word? Uh, it might be an English word, but it doesn't mean yeah. quite the same thing, or it's, it's very rarely used. Um, uh, carry on anyway. We've, we've yeah. explained it now for those yeah. who are doubting. <laughs> so we didn't. Yeah, those who don't speak Spanish. <laughs> exactly. So we didn't see much of him last season, apart from a couple of games in the Luis Torres, but yeah. he was kind of second fiddle really behind like Martinez, Orwell as well. Now these guys have gone, I think. I've always really rated Prato like ever since watching him for Universidad Católica in Chile, like very kind of physical, powerful centre forward, got a good head, but he's also quick, he can he finishes very well and I think now it's brilliant, you know, he's got the chance to Yeah, to really kinda of, Make a role for himself as the number nine, and I think nothing. He's up to it. Yeah, I don't. Th- I yeah. think Garica, the Vélez coach, is wrong to to let these kind of guys go. Like Obolo, who's gone to Goda Cruz, and Martinez, who's gone. I can't remember where. Corinthians to Corinthians, yeah. of course. Yeah. Well, so, Ramirez as well back to Goda. Ramirez back to Goda Cruz, and I think yeah, Prato. He's got the quality to kind of make that. You know, these kind of players, they're top quality. They're going to be missed, but I think with Prato there, it's going to be a little, you know, soften the blow a little bit, definitely. Yeah, I certainly agree. Um, another club who, who had a lot of changes over the winter, of course, um, and, and who we do have one particular expert in here, um, uh, Racing, who signed uh, an excellent midfield, <laughs> full yeah. stop, not, not just an excellent midfielder, but, but several of them. Uh, Diego Bichard came in from Godoy Cruz, Maro Camoranesi came in from Lanús. Uh, who else did you sign down? We had Fernando Ortiz, who came in from Vélez, yep. and who scored in his debut. Absolutely. In possibly the worst marked corner in footballing history, yes. so we'll get on to that in a second. Uh, José Sand, who had a little bit less successful debut, we could say. <laughs> um, Corvalan, who came from Quilmes and plays on the left. Uh, yeah, a lot of players came in. Yeah. A couple of players, Campora. a bit younger. Campora, yeah. And what's happened to Ivan Pichut? Because I'd kind of forgotten that he... Has he been Pichut? Injured? No, he's still in the team. Okay. He's, yeah, he's he was... Player right back. He, um, he was replaced at right back by this kid, Salvejic. Salvejic. Thank you. Yeah. Basically, Pichut was on the bench, both for the classical friendly and for the opening game against Rafaela at the weekend, which ended in a one-all draw. And it's basically because he's not... Particularly to Zawedir's liking, I don't think in last season he did much to convince Zawedir of his quality. But does this I mean think we can, we can finally put to rest the uh, Pichud as the natural heir to Zanetti's throne? <laughs> well, yeah, for now. He's watching the headlines. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Does Zawedir maybe feel intimidated by Pichud's <laughs> physique? It's very long term list of what we're talking about. It's very possible, yeah. I wouldn't want to. You know, I wouldn't want to comment on these kind of things, but it's we very possible. Just talking before about um, before we came on about how, how kind of mean and not, not only mean but like talented ball players as well. Like um, um, Bell- uh, Rusting's midfield yeah. is looking like Belletieri, and then yeah. you've got like borderline crazy Camoranesi and and Bichard, <laughs> who is also like up in guys' faces all the time. Yeah, I think the most important thing for Racing is that. If you listen to what Racing fans say, and it's always been the same story for probably the last two, three years, is that they've had the the talented players. You know, we've had people like um, Shio, obviously, and Toranto, who, who can play football. But what's always been said is that the team lacks what they say in Spanish, like personality, character. 
progressive means you know a little bit of an edge that they're not they weren't particularly winning to you know get up in the other team's faces and do that it's a complete I'm, no I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking you know a bit, bit of personality you know yeah. like pulling guns in the <laughs> room and yeah that's a different kind of personality oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think now you know it it wasn't a brilliant performance by Racing I think we might as well explain it was 1-0 Rafaela took the lead and Ortiz equalised uh, with a header from Vichara's cross and then Jose Sand, the new centre forward, went on to miss two penalties in one have, game. Have, th- have them saved, in fact. Let's give some credit to the <laughs> To have them saved, yeah. Funes Mori missed his. Yeah. Sand at least got his yeah. on target. And he also... Had a goal. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. it was a typical Sand finish as well. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The outstretch, the toe poke straight From in. the penalty, It's right? exactly yeah. the kind of goal that you, you buy him to, exactly, to, score, yeah. to score 10 but 15. But he had other ideas and decided yeah. not to let the guy go. Yeah, he was very... Very clearly onside. I mean, yeah. it was a dreadful decision. Yeah, so he had his second penalty save. He went for a corner. They quickly took it. And yeah, he hit it in the back yeah. of the net, and it was yeah. ruled offside where he, where he was. Wasn't. I mean, do you guys think the decision was as bad as the as awarding the second penalty in itself? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's the kind of kind of easy game, yeah. you know. But no, all in all, you know, it it definitely wasn't a vintage Racing performance. But you know, if you're talking about bringing six or seven new players into the first team in a very short period of time it's always difficult but I see I see some scope for improvement yeah, there. I really like you know watching Vichar who's just completely recognisable every single moment he's on the pitch from that glorious glorious beard he was yeah he was the harassing man of the match I think Rafael's keeper Sada took it obviously for the two side penalties and deservedly so but Vichar you know he played Beautiful passes. A few times he linked up with Camaronesi. It was like watching a different team, basically. And also, you know, he does the hard yards. He tackles. He gets stuck in. He marks. He he does everything he really need a central midfielder to do. Mm. So you know that is in itself, you know, that could be an inspired signing. One final thing I wanted to ask about Racing's new signings. Uh, we, we've already mentioned that Maro Camaronesi is a little bit crazy. Um, I remember being at, at Racing versus Lanús. Um, during the Clausura, mm. when Camaronesi was sent off for kicking oh, a yes. Racing player in the face. I can't remember which Racing player it is, but they now have teammates. He's not been Torrance once he's left. Was it? No, it wasn't Theo. No, that, he was right, yeah, for another. I think it was Torrance. Um, yeah. who's, so he's still at the club? No, Torrance no, He's left. Okay, yeah. right. So in that case, we can't get the juicy yeah. gossip about how it's <laughs> going. And that was when Torrance then came out and said uh, Camaronesi was Maradici. Yeah. Possibly the truest thing that's ever been said. Yeah, there's not really any discussion about that. Malaleche, yeah. as I think we may have explained at the time on Hand Upon, it was certainly the, the, the phrase of the week for one of our episodes, um, was, uh, is uh, sort of bad blood, although it literally translates as bad milk. Uh, don't know what Argentines think you have coursing through your hands, but still. That could be an idea for a Hand Upon t shirt. We'll have a carton of milk with uh, Cameron Nancy's face on. Bad milk, yeah. Excellent. I'm trying to. Oh, I was most impressed by um, San Lorenzo, I think, over the weekend. Ah, San Lorenzo, yeah. Definitely. Got a very good win, 2 uh, 1 in El Clásico de los Santos, uh, which is not a real Clásico. Yeah. Obviously, uh, of course, it's a repeat of the last day game, yeah. which basically decided their fate, you know, saved them from. They, they, kind of, they were hanging on towards the end a little bit. San Martín only scored with, what, 86, 87 minutes gone. Um, but was starting to, to push them back a bit but definitely I mean the first half San Lorenzo were really impressive especially Leandro Romagnoli with a superb <coughs> finish yeah I think the, the um, and then Denis Strappolosi with a yeah. back heeled 
assist, which was entirely deliberate. Yes. Uh, they signed really well, though. Yeah, you've got to say, with that front three, they've got, you know, Romagnoli, Jara, Franco Jara, who's moved from Benfica, and Stracolursi, the Strac attack. It's one of the best three in, in the country. This, this back heel assist of which I speak from Stracolursi was scored by, by Jara. Jara, especially, was, was really, really good. Yeah. And, yeah, he, and, they, he, and they linked, but considering it's their first game together competitively, exactly. I thought the three of them linked really yeah, well. Yeah, looks looks really like uh, Strakalusi hasn't hasn't got his shooting boots on yet. He's probably you know, lacking playing time and so forth. But he, and it's, it's safe to say we'll we'll totally bank out uh, the Strak, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. it will yeah. give him you know all the time he needs. So you've got today, but they've, they've signed him. You're right, Hada, and they've already got Romagnoli, but and they've brought in Rolly as well, Martin Rolly. I mean, that's you know. It's, Good options yeah. up front. Yeah. Um, what's the talk with uh, Luna now? Is, mm. is he still Luna? Apparently, it's a done deal. Yeah. I heard it's a done deal. Or San Lorenzo. Well, Lanús fell through, right? Oh, sorry, Lanús was first, and then mm. San Lorenzo came in. You're right. I, I heard because Ole had a big thing. It was um, apparently the guy who announced the Luna transfer to the world was um, this is brilliantly Argentine. The boyfriend of the Down syndrome girl on. By Lando Bronsueño. That's the right, yeah, that's the yeah. version of Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was the one who announced it apparently on one of the San Lorenzo TV channels. Wow, magnificent! Because of course, well, we should probably mention Tinelli now. Um, yeah, spe- speaking yeah. of by Lando Bronsueño, my link there. was um, was there. He's the presenter, the. The owner, one of the biggest, just the uh, brains of yeah. the whole operation. Really, Marcelo Tinelli is, is like a, if you can possibly imagine this, particularly American and British viewers, he's like Argentina's answer to Simon Cowell, but he's more annoying. Yeah. Um, Although back in the day, he was like a really sharp player. political commentator and stuff. You know, he used to. So I've been really told. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult he started to out as a, yeah, as a football yeah. commentator, yeah. and then he <laughs> went. He did like satirical <laughs> programs and stuff. You know, he used to really hit hard against the government, and now he just looks at. You know, ogles, chicks, and phones. Finds girls yeah. to wear nothing to dance on TV. Cuts their skirts off and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and then goes screwing. But he's yeah, like he's a massive media figure in Argentina. He's like kind of like I don't know, Letterman combined with yeah, like as you said. But yeah, he's, he's what a terrifying mix. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Um, <laughs> no, I say Simon for purely for, yeah, you know, Simon for, is for the, yeah. the mass entertainment kind of aspect yeah. of it. I well. think Simon Cowell's a very good There's anything else analogy. Um, and, and the irritation he inspires in sure, yeah. so many people who have brains. But, yeah. but this is a guy who, who commands sort of 40% of uh, viewing figures when, when he's his, when his program is on. Massive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, incredibly influential man in terms of... And, uh, and there's dozens of other shows which basically are satellites yeah. of his show where they yeah. gossip about the, the people on Dancing with the Stars and so forth anyway he's a very rich man and he's a huge San Lorenzo yeah. fan he's and put a lot of money in the club well, over the years and now he's looking yeah. to get more involved on the political side I believe he's going to be the spokesman with kind of a puppet president in front of him I can't remember the name of that's him. exactly what it's going to be it's yeah. going to be a puppet president um, which, which is made more obvious by the fact that Tinelli himself is vocally vocally denied any interest whatsoever in the presidency that, that just tells you that you know even more certainly that he's actually going to be <laughs> the yeah. power behind the throne yeah, of course someone was making a point before all that I can't remember what it was I was, was going to say about just, no, just, the, the, just mentioning the, the, Tinelli, the last yeah. time Tinelli was uh, involved in, in a, in, to such an extent at San Lorenzo was the time they put together the side with Placente with D'Alessandro and with, when they famously beat River Plate in the, in the Libertadores with uh, we have, having had two players sent off and being down a goal and, and so you know this is what San Lorenzo fans 
will will very much believe yeah. it's, it's going to you know happen again. That, that there will be money to invest yeah. in the club and bring in players, and they will yeah. uh, be one of the grandes again, which is what they, they should be. Some kind of time scale that Limitadores campaign must have been two thousand and nine, two thousand and nine, I believe. Yeah. won the two thousand and eight Club didn't they? Which would have qualified them. For Everything always feels so much longer ago here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so many seasons. Yeah. Two thousand nine. It was like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was beforehand the pot, so it doesn't really. <laughs> yeah. There's BH somehow. Doesn't count. No. Other other sides who, who made their debuts this weekend, I'm trying to just remember which ones we haven't mentioned yet. Newell's versus Independiente, which is the big relegation clash earlier in the season, finished nil nil. Um, and result, I think Independiente will be more pleased with both because they finished the Clausura with 12 points fewer than Newell's, and because they were quite visibly yeah. the second best. Well, that's that's that a big match. relegation clash, as yeah. it is, you know. Um, I thought, yeah, Newell's did look a better side, but I, I was quite impressed with the defence of Independiente. Yeah. They looked quite compact and, and organised. So. Martina said it was his. The first half was the best half of football he's, yeah. he's seen new, his new side play, mm. um, and they were excellent last season. Yeah, so it's sort of saying a lot. Um, other results we've had uh, Tigre, of course, last night just lost two one at home to Estudiantes with a very late goal, a deserved win for Estudiantes. But at the same time, I think that Tigre were a lot better than than. Certainly, I expected them to be. I don't know about everybody else. I um, didn't watch the game. We were kind of thinking that Tigre were going to struggle a lot, given the players that they've let go. But they were—they put up a big, a good fight yesterday. I don't know whether you agree, Australia. Yeah, yeah it was, I watched most of that match, I think. And uh, yeah, as you said, Estudiantes were uh, a bit better, but they were quite quite lucky. That was quite a late goal, wasn't it? And, yeah, like 88th minute or something. Um, yeah. Went from Guido Carrillo, this young, very tall. Um, Right, going near post header on. <coughs> and it looked like they've got a really nice combination going there with uh, Roman Martinez playing just behind uh, Gato Fernandez, uh, the, kind of the, the false yeah. nine of the Estudiantes who drops back and, and combines well with him. So that should be interesting. It's a very entertaining game. Um, yeah. It's quite a role, especially quite, in the first half. It's quite um, for um, Roman Martinez, you know, it's quite. Yeah. Uh, 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 into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How was the from, yeah. from Verdon? How was the reception? Because obviously his first game came against his old club. It was weird watching him. He was, yeah. Every time he said Roman Martinez, you think he looking yeah. at one of the Tigre shirts and yeah. he realised he's playing for the other team. So <laughs> quite, a, quite a shock to him, it must have been, for the, the, his first Mark game. Back. Yeah, I, I had to watch on Canal Siete, um, which I don't know what it's like for. You guys have got cable vision or or canal there, you know, they've got cable. But for direct, stop showing off. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I get direct. Yeah, I get that. This this one twelve thousand channels. Yeah, yeah. This this one statement actually isn't me showing off because at least on the direct TV broadcast, whenever I watch a game on on Canal Siete. Um, the volume is always ridiculously low and I've got to turn it up so high to hear the commentary right. that by the time the adverts come in they're going at this volume and you've got to suddenly <laughs> otherwise you get deafened it's a hard life for you to be the reason I say this is that I couldn't I can't answer English Dan's question because I'm not sure what the reception was like because I couldn't really hear the crowd I could just hear the commentators I mean I can, ima- I can imagine he got an ovation because it was in Tigre Stadium right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I well, ima- yeah I can only imagine he yeah, was absolutely applauded start, but I'm sure there's probably no hard feelings there no he can't mm-hmm. be he basically saved him you yeah. know, he was oh, along with Morales and you know and we talk about yeah, obviously he's not going to replace Verón to the same extent but in terms of like similar type of players you couldn't find anyone really better in the league as in that kind of deep lying no. talented Midfielder. Enzo uh, and, and Perez is the other player who's, who's kind of been touted as. Yeah. as then he's gone, back, yeah. he's gone back to. He's gone back to Benfica, no? Oh. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. 
Oh, so you probably won't do that wrong. Uh, okay, so he's not been talented, don't <laughs> It's alright, you can cut that out. Since you're editing. No, it's fine, I'll. Uh, other players we have, uh, sorry, other teams that we haven't mentioned yet. I'm going to go through Colon. Um, Colon, an impressive one, one nil yeah. win at home to Lanus. Lanus, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was it's a really good goal yeah. by Marin Fabianissi. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Who's now apparently the the highest scoring yeah. midfielder currently playing in the Argentine league mm. um, across the whole of his career. God knows how they found that. Of course, it was a coaching debut defeat for the Scalotto twins. Yes, who uh, press photographers managed to get mixed up um, <laughs> during the match. It's difficult, so though. They, they, they do look very. They do look very similar. <laughs> Some might say. I Some might say. Almost if they were. Maybe Joe. Maybe. <laughs> Um, what are the results have we got? We got uh, think, all I boys. Think. What did all boys do? All boys drew against Guadalupe. Of course, yes. Nil nil. After going right. straight from Cordoba to Mendoza in yes. that infamous episode we've been talking <laughs> about. We mentioned that already. Yeah. Um, that is the thing about that episode, though, that no one mentioned <laughs> no, that all no. boys were in the same, exactly the same <laughs> no, position. No, yeah. It was just Boca. I think uh, that was the game like uh, Cambiasso or Nicolas Cambiasso played an absolute blinder they only beat yeah, the penalty yeah. spot I think David Ramirez made yeah, a score in return yeah. for Goro Cruz and apart from that yeah I mean, uh, I'd like some nice tea please. yeah David Ramirez um, scored a penalty didn't he and then uh, got a standing ovation when he went off yeah. for him Goro Cruz's fans it was a 1-1 draw sorry not a I, I spoke to David Ramirez after Vélez won the, the title a couple of seasons ago oh, and, and, off. and I was asking him about, about Vélez and about the fact that it's a very organised club and, and what have you and uh, he, he would only talk. <laughs> so we apologise for the background noise. Australian dance decided not to wait until the musical interlude to. Uh, he's just throwing ice all around his bachelor pad because he's not going to live there for much longer. He can just trash it. Sorry, Joel, carry uh, on. And I was asking Ramirez about Vélez and he would only talk about Gode Cruz. <laughs> and he just kept answering about Gode Cruz. Yeah. He, was, you know, he, lo- he loves it there, he's very happy there, and he, and he considers it as sort of organised and, yeah. and well put together as, as Vélez is. So. I, I, I mentioned in, in my um, preview of this weekend's, this coming weekend's match, um, Godot Cruz are away to Union de Santa Fe. Um, and in my preview for Hong Kong Jockey Club, I actually said that it, with Ramirez back and with Omar Assad back, it almost feels like Godot Cruz are, you know, a lot of the time we complain about people going back to these old guys who used to be part of the club but in their case it kind of feels like they're trying to rediscover a bit of their identity again because yeah, they spent so much of last yeah. season playing really dull football yeah. no goals at all and we've known them previously as this absolutely mental side who you, know, you can bank on to get yeah. being a five goal threader almost every weekend yeah I think when Assad left there was definitely this feeling of a uh, Unfinished business. I mean, the fans didn't want to want yeah. him to go. The directors didn't want him to go. Uh, I don't think Assad particularly yeah. wanted to go. I, I, it was about the money. Assad yeah. let Godoy Cruz into the, the Copa Libertadores for the first time yeah. in their history, and after that, he thought that as the most successful manager of a Mendocino club side ever, uh, that he might possibly deserve a raise, and the directors disagreed, <laughs> which is why yeah. he went to Ecuador. Um, we are now pouring out for next, and we've covered all of the clubs. Yeah. I, I think. Probably uh, best to move on the preview of the Copa Argentina, which most probably will be played by the time. You're quite right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play some music at this point, and then we'll move. We'll, we'll come back and we will talk about the Copa Argentina final, which hopefully I'll be able to get this episode online before it kicks off, um, and then we'll answer a few of your questions.
Welcome back. This uh, this week, I was about to say this weekend, um, but on Wednesday evening, which um, as most of you are, well, Wednesday evening Argentine time, which means about 10 o'clock at night, which for 10 o'clock p.m. for most of our listeners is probably very much the night time, um, but in Argentina that's early evening, um, we will be sitting down to an historic match of football. Uh, Mr. Edwards here will be standing up to an historic match of football, because he's going to be on the terraces. Um, the third ever Copa Argentina final. It's actually the fourth edition of the Copa Argentina, but the final of the last one never got played, uh, which was about uh, 30 years ago, 69, 70 or something. 16, 70, I think, was yeah. the, the unfinished final, yeah. Um, it's Boca Juniors versus Racing Club. Uh, I'll add De Avellaneda just to piss off Seba Garcia if he's listening, because it's not part of their actual name, but everybody says it anyway. Um, yeah. You're right after we record, and in fact, in about an hour and a half's time, you're going to have to be in a Russian because it's getting on for half seven now. Uh, that's um, you're going to be on the coach, going up to San Juan to uh, see this yeah. final. Are you looking forward to it? I honestly cannot wait. I mean, I think it's the same as most Racing fans. Obviously, the last time Racing won anything was the 2001 Apertura, and I think to go back to when they the lost glorious four, days of Mostazo Merlo Mostazo Merlo when Milito was there as well and uh, Shatruk you know these legends of, of football really yeah. Uh, yeah I'm sure all of our listeners have heard of Shatruk yeah <laughs> Milito uh, probably more yeah Diego Milito I think I think they should probably know but and I think the last time Racing were in a final was 1992 when they played the Supercopa I believe against Sao Paulo so we're going back a while, you're, yeah. You're kind of looking towards Joel. <laughs> it was just Joel's face, really. Yeah, I was Joel, just Joel's face. Joel was just I was going to put back an amazing <laughs> face. No, there's been a couple of like Supercopas and Copa Interamericana and God knows what, these stupid What was the Copa Centenario? That was, that was Ignacio La Plata against... Was that Racing or River? God, no. Because that was in... Uh, that oh, that, I guess that, was, that would have been in 89 anyway, yeah. so that would have been before. I know, actually, there was an interesting article on the Ole website today saying, basically running down all the different national finals there's been with Christ knows how many names and who's won them, and Racing have won quite a few, you know, back in the <laughs> yeah. 30s and stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think Seba was telling us um, when he was still appearing on the podcast, I'm sure he remembered at one point, um, he, he mentioned that Racing have... Uh, if not the best and one of the best records in knockout competitions yeah. in Argentina in, in Argentina history yeah, of course definitely. there aren't all that many definitely not since the 1960s there haven't been no. the old yeah. 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 clutching at the straws at the time <laughs> <laughs> it's something you get used to yeah. well I remember at one point right before the semi-final Seba um, tweeted to me saying that although River Racing obviously which was the semi-final River have an absolutely enormous head-to-head lead across yeah. the history Seba tweeted to me saying <laughs> apparently I, I've, I've just read this stat saying that Racing actually have the, the lead in knockout matches right. and then about four days later he tweets it back going no it turns out that statistic was bollocks as well <laughs> <laughs> but anyway no it's yeah I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic night out you know going up tonight which is Tuesday evening and I'll probably get there about I don't know, four o'clock, five o'clock the next day, yeah, all so on a coach for, with the other fans. For the benefits of our listeners, who, especially those from maybe the UK who don't have to yeah. deal with, with, or from Europe indeed, who don't have to deal with the same kind of distances while staying in one country, yeah. uh, it's uh, what, 10 hour? It's going to be, it's an 1100 kilometre trip from Avashanida, sure. which wow. will probably take about 15, 16 hours, I imagine. Right. 
more if the police stop us in the line. And, and you're, they will. Which you're, they will. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and you're going, you're going to go to the game tomorrow night, and then right after the game, you're going on a coach I'll to come back. Be back on the coach, yeah. Um, so you'll be back here by Thursday afternoon. Yeah, Thursday, in, in, midday, Thursday, hopefully. Especially yeah. in, in, certainly with, well within 48 hours' time, I'll be back home. Yeah, I would have um, thought so. And tell us what you've packed in your bag there, Dan. I've just brought two cartons of, two litre cartons of wine. One of which. <laughs> One of which is, is getting there, yeah. Way. That's to wrong. drink on the bus to go to Avicenida, but. You know, we have to arrive to these things in, in good condition, you know. But, no, talking about the game itself, it's going to be, uh, you know, obviously a huge day out for Racing fans. I think they sold all their tickets before Boca, which is, you know, a little bragging right in itself in the whole thing. And also it's going to be the last game for Valentin Viola, who was a young oh, kid. Of course, who, yeah. yeah. He was a young kid who came on to the scene probably. I think Simeone was the one who used him more. Uh, we're talking about probably a year ago, and he's he's played pretty well. Like had I remember him being very impressive. I went to one of Racing's not Racing's last home match, but one of the last home matches last season. Um, and Miola set up a goal and then got brought down for a penalty, if I remember correctly. I can't yeah. remember who were the opposition. Could have been against the Studiantes, maybe? It might have been, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was really, really good. Down the kind of. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he plays as a striker, but he, uh, on this time he was playing yeah. quite wide left. No, he always uh, tends to do that. He plays, you know, what they call like an outside striker, so he works a lot by the wings and he switches sides. Yeah. You know. And he's been transferred to. Is he's going to uh, sport in Lisbon for $5 million. Portugal's almost this. And also, you know, I know you, I got, you, like, a friend of mine is almost best friends with his dad and supporting Lisbon and also kind of moving the whole family out there and setting them up so yeah. it's quite a good little deal but and Viola basically said I'm not going to let this transfer go through unless no. you wait and let me play the Copa Argentina for yeah basically basically put the conditions down for him like either you wait six months and I'll go or yeah. we sign now and I play this game that mm. was essentially it yeah so you know he's a kid who's been a wrestling fan his entire life and obviously you know he's 20 years old he's probably never even seen Racing play in the final you know yeah. so it's you know it's a big moment for him and a big moment for for everyone I think must have a fairly decent insurance policy for that well one, one would hope so you know yeah. it would be just Racing's luck if he <laughs> does his cruise ships in <laughs> one minute into the game Racing lose and they lose five million dollars so I would put it I would not put it against it what, what, <laughs> do, we, what do we think Racing's chances are here because we said uh, yeah. six months ago it seems like when, when the quarterfinals were being drawn uh, but it's not really six months ago I'm exaggerating slightly that Racing were probably going to be the favourites in that point because yeah. it seemed like they were going to be the team taking it most seriously <laughs> yeah. and without Libertadores distractions yeah. but the fact that the final then got postponed so much because of Boca's Libertadores final yeah. participation and I think so maybe means that yeah. both sides are going to be taken well I think it's good yeah I think it's going to be but at the same time Boca have had this very long trip which we've just mentioned well, yeah. a few minutes ago I think it's going to be very interesting for me what Boca come out which Boca comes out in San Juan because you know they let the 2012 Clausura slip by and they also lost the Libertadores final against Corinthians yeah. so you think that Fazioni really, really needs this title and, yeah, to bring yeah, something back to the three nil Yeah, after the three nil loss, but of course the team had to come back from Venezuela, and we saw against Kilmes that they were in no way, shape, or form ready for the new season. So you have to wonder, like, are they going to be able to turn it around within four days to be ready for a final? With other players that there, are there good enough to? To compete, like there's a lot of question marks to think about, Boca. Absolutely. Um, after Wednesday night, we're going to know that the champions of the next Copa Argentina in um, in about 16 months' time, um, because as I mentioned last week, it's changing 
uh, formats like that. The reason I'm going to repeat this is I can't quite remember whether I, I cut it from last week's uh, final pod. Um, but it's going to be changing formats for, for 2013. It's going to be played rather than being August to August, <laughs> as it's turned out to be, or August to June, as it was supposed to be. Um, it's going to be played February to December, which will probably in practice be February through February to, to March, March right, the following yeah. year or something. Um, uh, th- that'll be the idea so that there's football presumably just so there's football going through the winter as well mm. and if the AFA are still sticking to what they were saying six months ago and now that's not an exaggeration I do mean six months ago um, it will be that all of the teams will play in well the home team at least the, the team that's drawn at home in inverted commas will actually play in the home stadium um, so there won't be inverted commas as such apart from River and Boca who will continue to go all over the country and play their matches in neutral stadia for fairly obvious crowd drawing money making reasons uh, we would hope fairly obvious anyway to listeners mm-hmm. um, so that's the change of tour map for the Copa Argentina there's also been a change of tour map uh, tour map <laughs> tour map that's the same I just said that yeah, yeah. yeah you said it twice. how much fun is it turn it you mean format turn it F um, there's also been a change of format tour map perhaps oh, um, <laughs> stop looking yeah. at the terminal for the um, uh, for the that other competition the, the league that's the one um, which the AFA messed around with in between us in fact not even in between us recording the last episode and then putting the last episode Probably as we were they changed it whilst we were recording the last episode and we didn't find out until we got home that evening um, we mentioned last week that it's been split into torneo inicial and torneo final so there's no real change there they've just renamed the upper and the clausura and they're going to have a final to decide the champion at the end of the season so let's say like the Uruguayan league um, if yeah. anybody follows that or, or various others in, in Latin America you should turns out the Uruguayan league is good Turns out now that they changed it last Tuesday, around so around exactly one week ago, pretty much, um, and that they're now going to be awarding a championship at the end of the torneo inicial and awarding another championship at the end of the torneo final. Uh, so exactly like it was up until now, except they're going to be still having that final for and the they're super going to award a super championship, um, which at this point at least it would assume it would appear is not going to be only as important as, say, the Charity Shield is in England or the Super Cups of Italy or, or Spain or Germany or wherever up, um, but it's actually going to be treated like another championship for, for one one-off match, which I'm sure we can all <laughs> agree is, is vaguely ridiculous and very, very, very Argentine um, because of being vaguely ridiculous. <laughs> Would anybody like to argue this and, and say that it's a perfectly sensible I format? I think it's, see, it, it totally takes yeah. on the, the format of the Charity Shield, and it's it's impossible not that it's not going to be seen as viewed as such by supporters. No one's like, no time. one's going to say, "Oh, this year we won two titles." No, I don't well, think. Although I think a lot of these are Argentine fans with my Charles. I know if Racing won both, then I'd absolutely. Can, can, can you imagine any of the clubs, particularly? Uh, we mentioned during the, the, the musical break um, that, that Joel reminded us a couple of weeks ago when he was last on that the, the very first season of the short <coughs> championships when it was Apertura Clausura was Newell's won if, if I'm remembering correctly Newell's won the Apertura Boca won the Clausura and then there was a final afterwards <coughs> inside the champions of that season which was won by Newell's um, and the AFA don't recognise the Apertura and Clausura championships for that year, but Boca do. In the, in fact, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago. He said this. It was. Yeah, Boca have it on, on their website. Can you imagine they Boca have not also recording that super championship as? Which sure. the AFA would recognise as well. if they were to win it. Oh, or sure. Well, AFA will, will recognise it as such, of course. I've got a feeling that it'll get scrapped by the time we get to that. Point. Yeah, yeah, there's a long time to go before then. 
Yeah. And they've set the date already now. It's the 30th of June next year. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah we'll it's see. definitely, definitely going to be played. People who change the entire, well, change the format of the tournament. And the Copa Argentina was supposed to be the middle of June, right? As Australian Dan has just mentioned, and as I don't know what the mic would have picked it up because. English Dan was talking at the same time, but they, you know, another matter is that the, the championship kicked off on Friday and this change was made on Tuesday night. So, yeah, admittedly, it's not as if they've suddenly gone, oh, you know what, we're going to have straight relegation this season, and therefore Independiente and Newells don't need to start shitting themselves. Um, or as if, you know, having had straight relegation until now, they've decided to introduce the Promedios just now. No, it's, 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 it's that radical a change. what people are doing, but, it's, um, it's, but at the same time, it's, it's still incredibly silly. Um, I'm expecting Graham Chapman to walk in at any point and uh, start talking about how silly it all is and just close down the Argentine Championship as a result. Monty Python fans will know what I'm talking about. Album lust. Never mind. No no culture, these people. Um, (laughs) We're going to... I'll cut these next few seconds, but I won't play any music, and we're going to go and get the laptop, and we shall answer a few of your your questions, listeners. So... um, I won't say you don't go anywhere, because we're going to do it now. Okay, um, we'll now move on to to questions. Um... We've had a few. Sam Drew is first. He's Chronicles of Al, with, with one L, um, on Twitter, and asks, is time travel possible? We've not had very many sensible questions, but we have had some questions. Yeah, I think it probably is. Depends. Joel's not showing us Live Twitter news. Chino Luna has has allegedly well via De La uh, La uh, Radio La Red La Red is more or less more or less yeah yeah very much so Uh, Chino Luna has moved to River well that's a massive massive coup for uh, I'm I'm going to in that case retract what I was saying last week about it being quite important that Funes Mori stays for (coughs) six months to do Trezeguet's running for him because um, mm. if Luna's playing then it's considerably less oh, vital if you know, Morris there to Rogelio of course Ramiro yeah. I still think is, is, is I don't know I think I see Luna more as a as a poacher who might be taking up mm. similar areas to play yeah. but yeah it would be a great sign yeah. mm. uh, time travel two well, up front no, you know, uh, but at the same time you saw Tresegos pass to, to Funes Mori on Sunday for for the chance that Funes Mori hit the crossbar within the first half yes you said Luna would have smashed that in <laughs> Well, no, I was Yeah, Anyway, sorry, back to the questions. Yes. Uh, is time travel possible? Was the first one. I think, yeah, I think it's possible, yeah. I, think I mean, have you not read up to this point? So yes, yeah. something to do with if you can travel at the speed of light. Yeah. Have you not read the time machine? Like, that was very, very possible with uh, Morlocks and stuff. Like, that definitely happened. Hey, watch, Check um, out the film as well. There's a film from the 40s or 50s, which is oh, excellent. Oh, the, book, the book's very good. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, Bill and Ted's, yeah. Which uh, Back to the Future, of course. You know. um, <laughs> two very good documentaries. related questions now. Philip Briggs says, Cesar Carranza looked really strong for Belgrano. Yeah. This weekend just gone. Um, is he well thought of in the Primera? No, this is the, the Ataco, I think was... Probably no. slightly overshadowed, maybe by Dario Bandini no, last season. Midfielder who who played for Lanús last year, and yeah, yeah I, well, I was at least. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was, was, was very <laughs> good. But I guess at Lanús there were a lot of sort of similar. Yeah, people very like good. Gado and yeah, similar style yeah. players. But whenever Caranza plays, he's been mm. good, and yeah. I guess playing in a team, I, I was surprised that he went to Belgrano. Yeah, yeah. I guess playing a team like that where he's more the, the focus or exactly, I would think but he was he, he was a menace. Yeah, he was. He really was. was. Especially <laughs> coming off the bench for Lanús, like, yeah, he yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah right, really, not. really fast, really direct. You know, um, Matthias Silberstein, whose Twitter handle is Magasi M A G A S I, 
asks, let's restructure the FIFA World Club Championship to also include the champions of the top leagues around the world, i.e. the English Premier League, La Liga, and I think he's trying to flatter us, um, but he suggested the Argentine Primera right after those two, so he's been paying attention to IFFHS too much. Um, but he says, no offence to Asia, Africa, CONCACAF, but currently only the game that matters is in that tournament. It's the final, Champions League versus Libertadores. So he obviously didn't watch last year, uh, two years ago. That's not a question. When it was yeah, the Champions question. League. That's not a question. Um, no, I think he's asking what it would be like. <laughs> How would Arsenal do if they were going to be playing the World Club Championship? Well, Vela has been for quite a while ranked number three or four in the world, according to the... You may all mock, but... Uh, River Plate recently signed a, last week signed a huge deal with Adidas to continue their mm. sponsorship right. and it, within that deal yeah, yeah. part of the one of the problems that they're, they're, they're certain parts of the board are trying to um, negotiate is the prize money that Adidas would have to pay River Plate if they win the Club World Championship <laughs> so how long does this deal go yeah. on for <laughs> <laughs> it's a seven year contract but right. uh, yeah they're, they're ambitious I wouldn't even bother negotiating. Um, I think it would be fair to say that Argentina's champions would more often than not not get very far. Also, it's worth bearing in mind, as I've kind of suggested already, that the Libertadores losers, uh, sorry, the Libertadores winners lost in the semi-final only two years ago in the Club World Championship. So it's not always. Mm. Europe. Admittedly, that was the first time it was ever not Europe versus South America. Um, who was that? Oh, yeah. They were very unlucky to lose. They had a good team, and I think they could have given an interesting game. Brazilian sides are now. Teams lose games to them, you know. Yeah. This happens. No, the Brazilian sides have got so much uh, financial fa- uh, yeah. backing that, um, yeah. that they're on a completely different playing field. Yeah, yeah let's, let's have an Argentine team win the Libertadores yeah, first. I think and then it's like, like, yeah, you get some Argentinian, like Arsenal playing against. Whoever uh, Barcelona, Chelsea, Chelsea whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's why I guess was Estudiantes against Barcelona when basically Sevilla's yeah. brilliant tactical. No, but I mean that's yeah. that's a different uh, story because they've gone through and won the yeah. I'm saying like if you just win the Argentinian yeah. Championship, yeah. that's not. Well, like, maybe this could be the role of the super champion. <laughs> yes. Maybe the super champion would then go on to represent yeah. Argentina in the World Cup that Championship. There we go. We've got Grandona's thinking down mm-hmm. here. Uh, Mark Moorhead, Mark underscore Moorhead asks, can Joel Richards recommend a good locksmith in the Buenos Aires? <laughs> obviously not. Uh, yeah, the answer is obviously the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. um, Frederick, again, regular questioner, F98FROH, asks if Argentina, and I think this is quite a good one actually, um, if Argentina had qualified for the Olympic football tournament, presumably men's, because we know nothing at all about Argentine women's football, how do the panel member, who do the panel members think would have been the three overage picks? Messi? Messi. Aguero? Is, absolutely, yeah. Messi and Aguero and would be Bacharama, absolutely, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I'm not sure about Messi mm. because no Messi would have to be there. Like, there's well, no he, way you would have missed it. I mean, there was the course, same thing course, in 2008. Yeah, I mean, in 2008 they had the same kind of thing. Like, he yeah. basically insisted that he had to be there, and I don't think anyone would, anything uh, would have changed. I, don't know. Years I, don't know. I think Riquelme. This was his first Messi's first break for a long, long time. So I don't know if he would have. Who would the manager? Would the manager be Sabella or would it be? Well, it was. It's know. always been. Oh well, no, you're right. Batista coached yeah. in 2008 yeah. because Batista didn't want to go. It would have been Pedraza. Although I think it's well, no, Perazzo's now at Olimpo. Um, it's, um, I think it would be best if Sabella would be. I think Sabella would do it. Sabella yeah. would be happy to, sure. to manage it. In which case, I'd, I'd go for Messi. Uh, yeah. Messi and Mascherano as two. 
if Barca would let them both go, whether Mascherano mm. would be quite as insistent as Messi would be. I think Messi um, and Aguero would definitely be there, and then Aguero probably yeah. somewhat. Actually, Aguero particularly since yeah. he's in England this year, and as a result, the Premier League's not kicking off until after yeah. it finishes. Maybe someone like Gago would have got the last score. Yeah, yeah. Philip Briggs asks again, what's the approximate te- attendance for Racing home matches? For example, the Rafaela match. He says it, it always sounds noisy when he's watching, mm. presumably on on streams. Um, but how many are there? English down. It's always an interesting thing. You can basically bank on a Racing match depending on how they're doing, how you know if there's a lot of lot of hype in the team and people are feeling good. 25 to 40,000 fans is, you know, it's always within that range. You're giving yourself quite a lot of leeway. No, because it, cha- <laughs> it changes from game to game. Like, you have a home game against the Estudiantes when you've won three in a row, and there's 40,000 fans there. You lose two games after that, and there's 25,000. Sure. And then you're talking about, you know... So they're pretty, I think pretty fickle fans, is what you're saying. There's a lot of fickle fans. What you always have in Racing is the the big popular, which is yeah, popular twenty, is which is like a twenty thousand capacity, is always full for any for any home game, and that's really where the, all the noise comes from. Mm-hmm. And also, as well, you have the the popular on the other side, yeah, behind the behind the opposition goal, yeah. which now, yeah, it's usually full as well. That's where you know the majority of the fans. The Platea fans, I think they've. Got this reputation in Argentina for every single club, they're a lot more fickle. Yeah, maybe although, because they pay more. You know. Although obviously, Racing and one of the clubs that, that uh, football detours goes to relatively frequently, in, in yeah. no small part because they're very easy to get to from the city centre of Buenos Aires. Um, but also because when when you go, there, they have the second largest stadium in Buenos Aires. Yeah. It's bigger than number one there. Mm-hmm. It's the second largest it's in Argentina. Um, in in Argentina, quite fifty thousand capacity. Um, and you know, nor, generally speaking, when you when you go, that that at least the platea that, that we tend to go into yeah. is is decently full. The one across, not always, that's a slightly mm-hmm. more expensive one. Um, but yeah, I, I would think that your estimates more yeah. or less right. Maybe probably closer to forty than twenty-five. I would say. Yeah, yeah. twenty-five is when it's really. Yeah, that's um, a very conservative. Really yeah, I'd say the average is about thirty-five, and then yeah. any big game, any yeah. any ground there, Boca, San Lorenzo, is yeah. forty-five, fifty. Ohio Guna. Asks, is there a bias in Argentina <coughs> towards producing better attacking players than defensive ones due to global demand? I don't think it's particularly particularly influenced with that. I think, as with every single country in world football, you have to look at the tra- traditional players that built up. You know, you look at Argentina and their idols are people like Maradona, Riquelme, Canisha, Batistuta, like but also players. people like people Rossi, Fernando Redondo. Number five. I was a number five as well. Yeah, in terms of yeah. the actual, the back four, the defensive line. Yeah. You've probably got, you're, you're probably talking Passarella, who's yeah. doing the best that he can at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, think we've probably stumbled on one of the biggest complaints in Argentine football is that no one wants to play um, lateral, like these kind of wing back yeah. positions. Sure. This is the big thing. And I think the Argentina do have a good, good tradition of attacking wing backs. So I think there's the a good tradition of centre backs as well. Yeah. I mean, until this current generation. Um, before that, you had yeah, you had Samuel and, and these guys. Shala, of course, yeah. Shala, Pasarela, all these yeah. guys. Um, you had lots of good centre backs. Um, so the the reason at the moment is is what it could come down to uh, to physique. Like, I would be entirely surprised uh, yeah. as well. You're right, and, and physique, but it also ties into age. Um, and we were talking about d- during the one of the breaks that we had a few minutes ago. Um, we we were talking about the fact that players have been moving away from Argentina at increasingly young ages 
Um, so where once a player going to Europe at 21-22 would have been considered fairly young now that's almost considered a late age to go to Europe mm. um, and yeah physique wise and also to some extent I think as well players who are going to be defenders <coughs> and need to have learned that yeah. tactical side of things which maybe takes a little longer and, yeah. and positioning and stuff like that um, it takes a bit longer to come yeah. through right. I'm trying to think in any league in almost any league in the world you look and the positions that are more likely to be filled by native players say or players from that country are the centre back positions yeah. I mean you look at Barcelona and Pochol and Pique and you know United with Fernandes like, these are the Fidic, who's famously like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying that no, the other thing I was going to say is um, that. Uh, what was I going to say? What was it now? What were you going to say? You've not no, I was going to say that um, Argentinian players are coming through uh, as they as they develop a very very versatile. They end up playing five or six positions around the field, and I guess the better guys usually probably end up as a number five or a number ten. Like the really talented players, whereas the less ones would probably less influential positions perhaps like the well that's an interesting statement because Maradona if you read his autobiography which I recommend really that you don't it's a dreadful book um, I love but there's, it <laughs> there's, there's a chapter of that in which he says that when he was small he would have always really loved to play as a number 5 rather than mm. number 10 because one of his idols was I can't remember the name now but it was a, the guy who was playing number 5 for River um, at the time and he says that he would be able to he had this passing as if he, he was a bird soaring above the pitch and could just see everything and Maradona always said he wished that he could direct the play from that kind of position but that he didn't have that kind of vision and that's why he ended up becoming a number you know a number 10 or a, a yeah. second striker and Maradona's not really a typical Argentine number 10 much as he's the definition of one yeah, no, yeah no. I think in terms of prestige the number 5 is almost up there with the, with the number 10 yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of like influencing a match absolutely but the number 5 for um particularly British listeners where numbering is very different is, is the the deep lying central midfielder like a Pirlo kind of figure or excluded like a pivot rather than, days, a, you know. yeah, rather than a centre back Argem previews Mariano uh, our San Lorenzo supporting friend asks do you remember when you thought Delfino was not going to referee any high profile games anytime soon um, for listeners benefit I'll mention Delfino is the referee who gave all of these incredible penalty decisions and then sent off Olave and made a complete hash of the last 10 minutes of River Belgrano on Sunday and I tweeted that he wasn't going to do that and uh, apparently he's just been announced as the referee this weekend for Boca versus Tigre which is it's two yeah. mid-table teams that's not hard <laughs> um, Luis Pessone Le Programato regular question asker um, asks what are Hopster's reactions to the news of Gabriel Hainsey's imminent move to Newell's Old Boys? Lots of experience on the Newell's squad now, of course, they signed Maxi Rodriguez the other week. I like the tag Hopster, by the way. I think. Yeah, so do I. I could, I could live with that. I'm a Hopster, yeah. Better than Hipster. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also asks how the seemingly lucid WWE referees miss so many illegal holds and manoeuvres. We're not sure about that one. <laughs> but Hainsey to Newell's, guys. Brilliant. Back to his boyhood club. It'll be a fantastic move for Newell's. Like, I think Hainsey, like, Last time I really saw him in action, because I must admit I'm not an avid follower of the French league, was obviously in the 2010 World Cup, probably going back to then. Mm. And he looked a little bit out of his depth at left back, you know, with his advanced years against this kind of thing. But I think if Newell's are thinking of playing him right in the centre in the Argentine league, well, 
we saw how well Eschiavi did last year just yeah, directing the, the Boca defence you don't need massive pace you just need a good reading of the game awareness and willingness to get stuck in and I think Ainsi would have no problem at all with that it would be very interesting to see how uh, the local media deal with it because they caned him when he was playing for the national team he was very much seen yeah. as one of the leaders in Maradona's mm-hmm. uh, set up um, and one of the spokespersons really for for that for the squad of players for Maradona um, and he didn't perform particularly well especially in the World Cup qualifiers but yeah. he was very much he would, he would defend the team whatever the result yeah. was yeah Maradona talks about yeah. having him because he would it's die for the shirt and, uh, exactly the other thing about Gabriel Hainsey is that if he signs He's, he's not going to sign promptly in, in time to play this weekend, considering he's got to fly here from, from Europe. But if he signs in time to play the next, the third round, and then plays each match up until the ninth round, he will have doubled the number of total appearances he's made for Newells. Because he only played six matches for them before yeah. moving to, to PSG. Um, you look at this stat No, no, no. no. I, I, just, <laughs> I remember that when, when Man United signed him from Paris Saint Germain, mm. um, I was already, by that point, with my. The, the first of, of my Argentine girlfriends. This man about town. This has got to be the first of my Argentine girlfriends. 18 plus. I'm coming later. I remember when they were in bed together and I said, Did you know Einstein only played six games? No, but, um, no, but I, I, asked, I asked her and her friends, what, What's this guy like? Because we've just signed him and obviously a, a bunch of my friends asked, said to me, You, you know, you know people in Argentina who you know what's he like so I asked him and none of them had ever heard of him um, like nobody in Argentina knew who he was and he'd never played for the national team or anything before he signed for Man United um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he copes with the uh, the passion of the Argentine Primera <laughs> uh, the next question which I have just been looking at um, is from Niall McCloskey whose Twitter name is Niall McCloskey underscore um, who asks it says here that Banfield's match on Friday has been postponed in the Nacional B any idea when it's rearranged for the answer to that Niall I'm afraid is no No. sorry um, we were not aware of it and I've just tried to look it up and haven't had any success no since River are out of the Nacional B we can go back to pretending it doesn't exist so. um, Luis Pesoni Le Proganata asked another one Sam's magnificent coiffeur he's capitalised all of those words thank you very much engages in Zoolander-esque walk-off against Diego Richard's beard <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, that, that is in the Hall of Fame of questions yeah. Yeah. Uh, straight, straight in at number yeah. two or three yeah, definitely up in the top row yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure who no, wins I'm going to let you guys answer this well, I've got a bank Richard's yeah. uh, beard, beard like He's got. I'm putting my money on Vishal's beard. I, I think the eccentricity her. of the coiffeur would um, mm. perhaps uh, just uh, outjinx the uh, the beard. Mm. So the answer there is a two-one <laughs> win for for Vishal. Um, La Liga UK, whose Twitter handle is La Liga UK without any sp- uh, spaces or anything, asks following last week's superb anecdote of Sergio Araujo, Sergio Araujo and Martin Palermo. Do you have any more on the answer? Um, Apparently there's um there was that brilliant time in the under twenties when he just got himself sent off for no reason whatsoever. I can't remember the exact game, but it was just a moment of complete you know petulance. He kicked out at another player and got himself sent off for no so reason. Barcelona are making a bit of a habit of signing forwards who get sent off for Argentina at a young age. Because of course Lionel Messi got sent off in his Argentina debut. Well, yeah, if he can um, if he can 
following that tradition then? Araujo as well in uh, I think in the Sudamericano under 20 uh, wasn't it he snatched the ball for the yeah, penalty yeah, yeah, and then somebody else was supposed it, yeah. to take the penalty possibly when <laughs> Mori even oh you're right yeah this year yeah. Completely yeah. But then if he was taking the ball off when his body maybe he was doing him a favour. He snatched the ball off him to take the penalty and then missed the penalty. Um, also, there's supposed to be uh, compromising photos of him somewhere. Dan is the oh, one to go for for any sex video <laughs> compromising photos. He should start compromising think, photos. I think so, yeah. I've only heard of them. I haven't uh, Googled them. Yes, yeah, but... Interesting. Um, I'll, I'll make a note of that for later. No, uh, Tom Robinson, Tom Tom Robber, eighty nine. Last question of the night asks: Has brackets Tam Ponson, Ponson recovered from his unfortunate affliction yet? Uh, the answer is yes. He's not got hemorrhoids anymore. He's not bleeding out of his ass anymore. Um, and that wraps it up, I think, ladies and gents. We've been recording for... Uh, There's some pretty low, lowbrow questions. <laughs> there were. Um, we hope you can all raise your game. Yeah, There's some, some pretty lowbrow answers, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, Just working with all you yeah. Please, please do better next week. And now I'm going to play Mystic Dance uh, theme music because he's just reminded me that, that we've not wrapped it up by any means. We got eight or, eight or nine out of ten last week. The other point that I'll mention just before we do this is, of course, if you're not already aware, Hand of Pod now has its own Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's at Hand of Pod. Um, and it's essentially me running it, and it's my attempt to be like the best Betfair sports, uh, Betfair poker Twitter account. Which, if you don't already follow, I recommend that you do because it's probably the best thing on Twitter by a mile. <laughs> are, we getting, are we getting sponsored by Betfair now? No, yeah, we're not. Uh, but seriously, have a look at the the account. It's absolutely, it's absolute genius. Um, I thought you were talking about how to pod account. <laughs> no, well, hopefully, hopefully we'll have 20,000 followers like they do if, if I'm as good at making ridiculous things up. Uh, but for now, I'm going to play some music and then we'll come back in and uh, Mystic Dan will take over. Mystic Dan, what's going to happen this weekend? Uh, we have Colón winning away to San Martín, Mules winning away to Lanús, Estudiantes and River drawing, uh, All Boys winning at home to Quilmes, uh, San Lorenzo winning away to Belgrano, Independiente and Vélez drawing, uh, Racing winning away to Argentinos, Unión and Godoy Cruz drawing, Boca and Tigre drawing, and Arsenal beating Rafaela. I feel vindicated. Um, because I was writing out my previews for Hong Kong Hockey Club for this weekend um, and was thinking increasingly as I was going through the last three or four of them that I've not really predicted any home wins up to this point and I only ended up predicting one home win and that's all that you've done as well so I'm kind of glad to hear that really it makes me feel a little bit better about myself um, okay. there really aren't that many are they? like all of the, the teams who started off more strongly are, are away this weekend the thing is I think back to previous seasons after the first round when we were making predictions about who was looking good this year mm. and stuff and then it, it all falls apart <laughs> yeah. so it's a bit hard to tell it's very hard to tell after just one match uh, that's, that's the curious thing but it's just it's interesting that there are even in the first round you generally try and predict maybe four or five home wins and then here in the second round we're not going for any and, and both you and me completely independently mm-hmm. and I, I don't think all boys were the home win that I went for even I think I'd forgotten um, about Kilmer's dumping blocker when I picked all boys to beat them but, but you know <laughs> independently of one another we've, we've both gone for only one home win right. essentially as, as the pattern 
which is interesting. So we'll see what happens. We should probably say quickly that next Wednesday we'll have Argentina taking on Germany. Of course, which, well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll first game since that. that stunning. 4-3 victory against Brazil I, I wouldn't like to say that I completely forgotten about that but I had completely forgotten <laughs> about that um, I think we hinted at, at it a bit earlier and it looks like they've already announced the the foreign based players team and there's probably going to be about 4 or 5 that are going to come up from the local league in that game it looks like it's going to be the two Rodriguez twins Maxi and the Clemente main, the main interest uh, in the list that they've announced so far of course is that Fabrizio Colocini has made of the course, yeah. The, the foreign yeah. cut um, and he'll be joined most likely in central defence with another very interesting move which is um, Lisandro Lopez uh, the Arsenal de Sarandí central defender who looks very likely to, to join the squad yes that, that was the, the thing that we were hinting at much 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 earlier in the podcast before almost forgetting about it completely we've, we've got a full circle there yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in terms of yeah that was what we were talking about at the top of the show and now we've mentioned it again yeah. at, at the very bottom of the show as it were the, the arse end of Hand of Pod um, next week in, in, in an attempt to try and preview that Argentina and Germany friendly we're going to have real life Argentine Mariano aka Argem Previews on Twitter in the house and talking to us god knows when we're going to record probably at English dance yeah let's record in my house uh, since it's easier for Mariano it's easier for me as well <laughs> and, and yeah considerably easier for English dance um, so fingers crossed we'll be able to, to get that to you but for now ladies and gents uh, it's goodbye from English dance goodbye and good luck getting to our vision later on time for your coach nah um, it's like half an hour oh no, 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 no I think goodbye from Australian now Bye-bye. Who's been wearing a Venezuela shirt all the recording, by the way. Goodbye from Joel Richards. Goodbye. And thank you for joining us uh, at last. Congratulations on getting out. Thank you. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.